You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again, continuing our exclusive coverage of the TV show Third Watch for a bit of a special episode for you today, special series of two episodes that we're going to bring you actually today to be precise as we get ready to move into our second season recap of Third Watch. Uh, We've teased a lot about these two interviews that we're going to bring you today, uh, basically throughout our entire season run of season one, myself and Brandy, obviously finishing off the first season, as I said, moving into the second season. And I mentioned several times throughout the season that I had the uh, distinct honour of interviewing two of the cast members of Third Watch in my time. Uh, doing Breakfast Radio in Hobart and uh, two interviews that I have kept two interviews that I'm very proud of and the first interview that we're going to bring you today is from 2012 when I was able to sit down with Michael Beach who of course plays Monty Doc Parker on the show Third Watch an esteemed actor not just obviously known for Third Watch has done plenty of other things outside of Third Watch Uh, one of these sort of uh, actors that you will see in a show and you're like oh yeah I know him from that and I'm sure that even if you're listening to this today and again you have no idea who Michael Beach is in Third Watch because you've never watched Third Watch you would have seen him in plenty of other uh, shows, uh, TV shows. Uh, I mean, he's been in Stargate Atlantis. I think he was known a little bit for Sons of Anarchy as a sort of a major character in that. Uh, other shows he's been in, he had a recurring role in ER early in the 90s. Uh, several movies that he's been in recently, Patriot's Day, uh, he was in that. Um, he's been in uh, plenty of other movies. He's going to be recently, uh, well, not recently, he's going to be appearing in the new Aquaman movie, which has just filmed in Australia very soon. He's also going to be in the uh, Deep Blue Sea sequel, which I believe is coming out as well. So he's one of these everyman actors who I guess is just in so many different things. But obviously for us Third Watch fans, probably most well known for Monty Doc Parker from Third Watch. And uh, I had the honour, as I said, of interviewing back in 2012, so five years ago. And how this kind of came about is uh, actually friended him on Facebook, funnily enough, sent him a message, asked a question, and he gladly accepted the offer for me to interview him. So I was I was absolutely chuffed. I uh, don't get starstruck that often, but uh, I did very much get starstruck with Michael Beach. It was a 58-minute interview too, so a lot of stuff covered here about his career and obviously a large focus on Third Watch. And we thought we would bring this for you just kind of as a bonus episode this week. I've talked so much about it that I thought, well, we may as well bring it out of the archives for you to listen to. And I feel a lot of this still remains quite relevant given that Third Watch, uh, you know, at the time of this interview was seven years old since it had finished. And now at the time of recording these episodes, it's over a decade. So we're hopefully going to be getting a lot of these other actors on over the coming years or weeks or months or whenever. But uh, thought, given that I've already had the honour to interview two of these cast members, we'll start with Michael Beach. So here is my interview with Michael Beach back from 2012 from my Hobart radio show called The Brink. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure, Ben. I feel like I'm in Australia. <laughs> I was, I was going <laughs> to say to you, uh, did it surprise you when some random guy from Australian radio sends you a message <laughs> for this interview, Michael? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I find some uh, a lot of stuff on Facebook, a lot of some very interesting stuff and some crazy stuff. <laughs> so when you get an interview request, you're like, now, do I believe this guy or? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm the kind of guy 
kind of likes to jump out there and take some leaps. So I, I find more often than not, it pays off. It does. It does. Well, we're chatting yeah. today. And I know um, speaking to you yesterday before we did this chat, I, I said to you, I kind of had to look and go, now, is this really Michael Beach on Facebook? Because, uh, you know, there are a lot yeah. of fake profiles out there for, for numerous actors and uh, celebrities. Yeah. So, uh, look, we've got it working. It's real. We're doing it. I'm excited. <laughs> It's real. It's really me, and I'm I'm glad to be here. <laughs> but as I said in the introduction, Michael, now a career spanning 25 years. But I, I believe you got into acting kind of by chance. I, thought, I believe you talked into it by a friend of yours. How did all this come about? Well, actually, it started in high school. I was um, I was actually a football player um, in a prep school in Massachusetts, uh, and I got hurt playing lacrosse. Actually, right. Uh, and any contact sport I could do, I, I did. You know, wrestling uh, wasn't so much basketball because you couldn't really legally hit people. Uh, so I, I, I was injured badly and really couldn't play anymore. And um, this was in the in the seventies, and the school I went to had morning assemblies. So I would every once in a while I would do a morning announcement for someone. And, you know, I, I tried to make it fun. And so more and more people asked me if I would do these announcements in the morning for whatever club or whatever, whatever they needed to, to be announced. And I and because of that, um, someone from the drama department, which was very small at the time, asked me if I would do a play. Wow. Yeah. And at first I said, are you crazy? I'm an athlete. I don't do that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, eventually I ended up auditioning and did it, and I fell in love really from the from the first uh, rehearsal. And the rest is history. I mean, look at you now. You've gone on to all the amazing career that you had. I, I love hearing stories like that kind of, um, you know, the, the accidental one, you're asked into doing it or you're injured. I mean, it's almost like fate, isn't it, that this all worked out for yeah. you? Oh, absolutely, because, uh, shoot, at my age, I would definitely not be playing anything right now. <laughs> so I'm glad. I could do this until uh, you know, until I, I drop dead or I can't remember my lines or whatever it, whatever the case may be. I, I got years and years to go. And you can always play professional sports people too, Michael. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but I, I think um, you know we've seen that in storylines in TV shows about that. You know, the athlete gets taken into to the drama, and the reaction sometimes is you know not the best about the athlete going that way. What was the reaction? then from your friends and family when you all of a sudden said i don't want to play sports anymore i want to be an actor well the truth is that the truth is my injury was so bad i couldn't play anymore right. i tried i tried different things but my the ligaments in my ankle were so severely ripped that it you know e- even to this day i you know if i play basketball or if i run i have to be very careful now and i've over the years have just made it worse um, I twist my ankle very easily, um, so I couldn't play. But there were a lot of uh, a lot of uh, snide little remarks, and 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 again at the same time, I was like one of five, four or five black kids in an all white. It was a prep school, and um, and I had gotten, I actually got a, an athletic scholarship to the place. That's how I got in, uh, and my grades were fairly decent, but it, you know, definitely I got in because of sports. And so seeing this, you know, young black guy who was an athlete, and we know that's why he came to the school, and now he's going to do some acting. 
I definitely got some uh, some snide remarks, but but once they saw him, and they, but I think they kind of knew too because of my announcements mm. that it was possible. But then once they saw me on stage, uh, after that time, I got every role I auditioned for. Wow. Which wasn't that long, only about a year before I ended up going to college. Fantastic. Well, I, I um, obviously, it's, it's a different time at that period as well in terms of, um, you know, acceptance. And, and being in a school with, um, you know, not that many uh, African-Americans as well, I can imagine then that, that acceptance thing, you know, it goes to prove a lot to show where you've come from to where you are now, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I am, you know, I I am a um inner city kid. I'm from I'm from the ghetto. Uh, I grew up in Roxbury in Boston, Massachusetts and then moved to Harlem, New York. Um and it is definitely for me it's been a journey just to go from inner city and then to prep school, which was something I knew nothing about, and then from prep school to go to a drama school in college, a theater school. Um and then out into the out into the world of Hollywood was is it's definitely been a <laughs> a journey. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, any move, I, I'm sure, to uh, to Hollywood, Los Angeles, to pursue that dream. I mean, it, it's a city where dreamers go, isn't it? I mean, I've been to LA, and I think everyone I I spoke to somehow worked within the entertainment industry. It's an amazing place. But uh, going there, I mean, where do you start, Michael? Do you have to approach agents? Do you go to auditions? I mean, it's a big place to try and start off from the beginning, isn't it? Uh, it's true. It's it's a you know it's a a very hard business to get your foot into and i think most people um spend most of their lives just trying to get their foot in mm. in this business um I, I was pretty fortunate i went to uh i went to um a theater school in in new york uh you know a well-known one i don't know some people don't know it but i went to a school called juilliard and i trained there and i studied there and back then in the in the very early eighties, I think it was eighty one. Um, when at the end of your fourth year, you have auditions. You do scenes for producers, directors, casting directors. They actually come to the school right. because it's it was Yale and Juilliard and Carnegie Mellon and schools like that where this is supposed to be where the young new talent is co- is going to come from. And so they come seeking you. Uh, it's a lot less today, but they back then they came seeking you. So if you if you chose your scenes properly, you get two scenes. You can really make an impact in terms of agents really wanting to represent you and casting people knowing, oh, I want to keep my eye out on that person. So you kind of you, you get a leg up if you uh, if you choose wisely and you show your stuff off. Mm. So I. Okay, I got I got a lot of people interested in me. I got a good agency from the very beginning, and that's key because you need people sending you out. You, it's it's hard to just come out and say, "Hey, I'm going to go audition." You know, you you can't really. You need people um, sending you out there so and representing you so that you can get those opportunities. Mm. And I mean, obviously, doing um, you could do a lot of theater work at that stage, doing off Broadway work, and then going to Hollywood. Was it a goal for you to maybe try and get more? into the movies more tv or was it kind of just whatever you could get at the time well the truth is i i because i trained for the theater i always thought i would just be a theater actor mm. but once um i got lucky i you know i, I had these agents 
this agent and he he was sending me out all the time and i started booking movies and tv without even thinking about it you know without spending as a matter of fact i didn't do much theater because uh film and tv started happening and it's pretty much for the most part the first 10 years was was a lot of film mm. yeah well i mean you look at a lot of the credits during the 80s i mean as you said a, lo- a lot of film work i mean some movies i think going into the 90s too i mean internal affairs a big one there the abyss i mean they, right. these are uh, a fairly biggish movies which i'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are very aware of does does it go sort of um working as in smaller roles as opposed to say getting a leading role does that make it kind of different approach into going Going into these films, knowing that you might only have a few scenes to do, and trying to get more recognised, if that makes sense, to, to get future work after that. Well, I think the the best thing you can think about is just doing your best job, whether you have two scenes or four scenes or eight scenes. You know, the, if um, the, people forget that that it's not just the work you do, but also how are you on set. You know, there are a lot of people that that are you know dicks on set. You know, and they forget that 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 will travel with you, you know, because people you do it a few times and people will start to, you know, a lot of times people call up and go, all right, you work with this guy. You know, what was he like? And if somebody's going, nah, he was a he was a pain in the ass on the set. Mm. You know, uh, that's not good for you. (laughs) You know, the word starts spreading, you know, you're coming to set late, you know, you don't know your lines. You're not uh, friendly to other people. You, you know, you think you're, you think you're the man. So you, you treat the PAs or other people on the set with, uh, without respect. All of that stuff just builds up, and and uh, unless you, unless you are a big star and you hit it fast. That kind of stuff will keep you from having a long career because people don't want to work with that kind of uh, with that kind of attitude. Yeah, and I can imagine too. I mean, you're mentioning the, the learning of lines, things like that. I mean, obviously, you got to go into a, a lot of work with script reading, and everything. Going from stage where you've got to hit your lines straight away, you've got no second chances when you're performing. To obviously, you know, if, if you stuff up every now and then, you can do multiple takes. Is that? easier from that transition or is there a lot more to it than just oh yeah i can do it in five takes today well the stages they're different because when you do a play you you actually have a month uh or more of rehearsal Mm. and you're actually taking a story and a character uh from beginning to end uh, in a two-hour period, so you have that linear um, um, involvement of what the character is going through while you're going through it. When you when you shoot a film or TV, everything is out of order. Um, so you don't. So it, it's a little harder in that way because you have to go. Okay, well, I'm shooting this scene before. Um, let's say if if I have a fight with you in the film an argument that changes our relationship. Well, I'm shooting the scene after the fight, but we haven't shot the fight yet. Mm. You know, so how do you how do you arc out your character so that you have a good understanding of where you'll be emotionally and how you'll feel about the other person without having shot that scene yet, the the big fight. So that that changes that that's a huge difference between working in front of the camera and working on stage. And so in some ways, the stage is, is much easier. Um, yet, 
at the same time, if you're on stage, it can it will show the weakness of an actor as well. You know, there are a lot of film and TV actors that if they if they go on stage, they disappear. They don't have the power. They don't have the magnetism to fill that house. But in the, in in TV and film, it's really all about the close up. It's all about the intimacy, and so you can be small, you can be intimate, you can you know. But you have to do that on stage and fill the room at the same time. So it's a it's a there's a lot of differences that that make it exciting to do both. This, this is where I um I love chatting to to any type of actor, Michael, because I think you know just some people just think oh acting it's easy you read some lines you pretend to be someone else. But, I mean, there's just so much more to that. And uh, particularly, I suppose, depending on the character you play. I mean, you've played a wide variety of characters. The, the research and, you know, getting into the character must be intense, particularly, you know. I mean, you've played paramedics. You, you've played, you know, motorcycle gang leaders. You've played people in, you know, science fiction universes. I mean, just the adaptability. You've always got to be on the ball, don't you? You really do. Um, but I think I think the, the, the universal truth about it all all is that you have to remember you're playing a person and the always the most important thing is what that person wants in life what that person needs and what drives them so whether or not it's a you know a, a motorcycle club uh, president or a doctor or a lawyer or a paramedic it's it's all about the the story is is not about what they do it's about who they are and what they want and obviously the backdrop of what profession they're in and all of that that those things pepper they spice up uh, whichever project you're on but ultimately we're looking at the the character's journey mm. you know what their struggle through life what what it is that they're trying to achieve that they need that they desperately want you know that's that's what we um that's what we're that we're always looking for, that always moves us. That that's why people that that don't know what it's like to be in a motorcycle club or to be a doctor or a lawyer, that's why they can still watch these films or TV shows and be engaged. Because ultimately, it's not about them being a lawyer. It's about you know their their human struggle. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and um, this is the thing too that um, amazes me when people really get into a character or, or a role on a TV show. That um, you know you then become the face of that character, don't you? I mean, I- I'm sure during right. something like Third Watch, playing a paramedic, uh, you know, you probably got people coming up to you going, "So I've got this problem with my hand. Do you know how to fix it?" <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I tell them, "Listen, I can call nine one one for you, but that's a." <laughs> All I could do, you know, because I you wouldn't want me uh, trying to cut you open or anything. That would be disastrous. <laughs> yes, yes, I think that wouldn't turn out well. But uh, after in the eighties into the nineties, doing a lot of uh, TV work as well, Michael. I mean, shows such as NYPD Blue, Law and Order, Touched by an Angel, even Walker. I mean, you got to work with Chuck Norris. I mean, that must have been fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, I'm I used to be uh, majorly into martial arts, and I. You know, competed for a long time, and and, uh, and and to do that was a lot of fun. And I got in that particular episode, I got um, I got to do a lot of fight scenes that they literally, you know, um, blocked out like two hours before we shot it, and then you just go in and you shoot it. And so that's that's not a lot of time before 
TV moves really fast, and um, a show like Walker, you know, pretty much you're, you're working with a lot of stunt guys, and so you just got to move through it and go and, and get it done. Mm, now, getting to work with Chuck Norris, though, can you tell us if any of those Chuck Norris quotes are, are true, those facts that they have out there? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> There's some good ones out there, and, and they're um, they are very popular, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we'll have to put some up on our website now for people who might not be overly familiar with them. But, uh, I mean, after some of some of the bit parts you had in uh, the shows, uh, you got some work on ER. Now, I believe you originally actually tried out to, for the role of, of Peter Benton that went to uh, a friend of yours, Eric LaSalle, of course. Now, um, yep. going from trying out from a major role to playing a, a bit part, I mean, was that a change? And, uh, you know, what was it like working on being a regular on a TV show? Well, it's always like that i mean it's you know you eric lasalle is my best friend i've been my best friend for over 30 years and um inevitably you're gonna lose roles to good friends of yours i mean it it actually happens all the time um, because the the community that actually works on a regular basis that actually support themselves as actors is very small really small and so um that's going to happen all the time the the thing about er was is that the the creator um uh, of of the show um and some of the producers liked me for peter benton mm. and the network nbc did not for for whatever reason right. uh, I, and so when they eventually found LaSalle, who i actually told about the job i said listen you know i've been i've been in their offices often and ultimately i come to realize they don't want me so he was doing something in another city i told him to come audition he auditioned he got it um the next year uh john wells who was the executive producer of the show said listen come and do this um this other role right now it's small but we're going to have these a great storyline and i ended up ended up doing about 20 episodes in a 3 year period and um you know it, it it was a great role it wasn't one of the major roles but it actually was a one of their most popular storylines that they've ever had yeah. and and i loved it and it and it gave me a great relationship with john wells who ended up doing third watch and then he he's done a couple other shows that i did the pilots for, but they never became TV series. Mm, big fan of uh, of John Wells, obviously, given uh, my fandom of ER and Third Watch. But, I mean, ER was, was huge at its peak. You know, the number one show in America. I mean, everyone was talking about it. How different do you think, Michael, your career would be today had you been Dr. Peter Benton? Oh, boy, that's... <laughs> I, would have a, I would have a lot more money, that's for sure. <laughs> But um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It really is hard to say. Um, the show would have been a it would have been a different Peter Benton, obviously, because our our personalities are different. Um, but I don't know. That's a that's a that's a question I can ask about. You know, jobs you've lost out on. If I'd gotten this film, if I'd gotten this role in this film, and it's it's um. It's kind of a waste of time to to think about because you know it's it's didn't happen mm. <laughs> you know so so you just try to deal with the reality of things and and uh, I'm pretty happy I mean I I'm I'm fortunate I've supported myself for over 25 years as an actor ever since I left college and uh, and I'm still supporting myself and my family and and I love what I do and I I think I have uh, 
a good amount of respect in the business. Um, but it's 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 a difficult time right now, actually. And to make money is more difficult now than when I started out because of, of various problems. But uh, but I'm still doing it, so I'm, I'm I feel good about that. It's obviously, uh, good, and we we like to hear that you're still going along with something that you love. But did did you find after the role, maybe on ER or perhaps through some of your other roles, it you started to get recognized? I mean, what was it like when all of a sudden somebody would come up to you and go, hey, you're from that show or you're from ER? Well, yeah, I mean, it started fairly early. You know, people would uh, come up for, for different things. And, and then in the, in the early 90s, I did, uh, early to mid-90s, I did two films that really kind of blew things away. And I, I did a film called Waiting to Exhale, where I played Angela Bassett's husband, and I leave her for a white woman, <laughs> And and, and and Waiting to Exhale was Whitney Houston, Angela Bassett, and, and I leave um, Angela for um, a white woman named, actually the actress was Kelly Preston, who's John Travolta's yeah. wife. And that was a big, that was a huge, huge film here, and especially in the black community. And then two years later, I did a film called Soul Food, mm. where I played uh, Vanessa Williams' um husband and i cheated on her <laughs> with her cousin and that was a huge black film as well and uh so i kind of got known as the cheating husband <laughs> in the black community and literally i had women um just furious at me <laughs> yelling at me screaming at me you know on the street i got pushed a few times you know it, it, it it's and people take things very very seriously and they take them to heart and they they some people cannot separate the actor from the character yeah uh, so so it is it, and it and it constantly happens to this day you know every you know, I thank God I live a normal life, but I can't, there's not a day that goes by where I don't have, you know, 10, 20 people recognize me or or more. It just depends on where I am, you know, so, but I like that I can walk around and, you know, not have to hire security or, or, you know, try to hide. I mean, people are, people in general are very cool and they just want to say hi and shake your hand or sometimes take pictures or whatever. And it, it's not too much to ask. Good to hear. You don't have the paparazzi knocking on your door every five seconds or waiting for you behind a bush as you go buy the milk or something. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not that big for that to happen. The other thing is I don't live that life. Mm. You know, I, I don't you know, I, I never had a PR person. I don't go to the parties. I don't try to get my name in the in the uh, magazines or go on access hollywood or entertainment tonight or um i don't want to create any scandals i don't you know i don't live that life you know i'm not trying to my goal is not to be famous my goal is not to be you know admired by people for no reason <laughs> you know my my goal is to be an actor you know it always has been and and of course the truth is the more recognizable you are and the more you are out there and the more paparazzi go after you and people want to you know touch you and talk to you and all that the more valuable you are to the studios and the tv networks but it's that being said it's just not my personality mm, you know mm. we see it with a lot of actors too obviously once they kind of get that initial fame they're getting recognized i mean it can really obviously take over some people can't it yeah and i you know i again i like i like to go out with my wife and my kids and and just be you know and 
enjoy the very normal things that everybody else enjoys, you know, and I would hate for that to be taken away from me, um, you know, for whatever reason. Now, of course, I've been doing this for almost almost 30 years now. I'm probably about 27 years. And, you know, for some reason, I got on a TV show and it blew up and it got huge. Um, And some of that stuff started to come to me. I've been doing this so long that I I think, um, again, do I run to the limelight and do I try to get on all the shows and do I try to, you know, no, I think I can, I think at this point in my life, I can, I choose to keep my life simple and keep the things that are important to me, you know, foremost, you know, they're the most important things. And the other stuff is really is what I do to pay my bills and to support my family and to and to fill you know to fill my love you know for acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a thing too with like I mean any TV shows, movies. Sometimes you obviously just don't know. I mean, if it's going to be a massive hit like something like ER, for example, right. Um, right. you know, or I mean other things as well. But I mean, of course, we're talking about John Wells in terms of um, production creator of ER. Obviously, went on to do third watch now was it he who approached you basically you were mentioning before about this role and were you straight away thinking this would be a good role and it interested you a lot well john you know the character john the bottom line is that i found out later is that he he knew that i was going to be doc hmm. you know he you know he felt bad that that er didn't come my way but more so than just feeling bad, he knew, look, I love this actor and this is the role for him. Um, now, he could have he could have just offered it to me, but <laughs> it, it, sometimes that happens. You know, the last couple of things he did, he just offered to me. But at the time, the, he made me audition for it. And I went in and I had to audition and I had to audition for the network. Um, and, and part of it, what it does too, is it keeps your price down. Mm. You know, somebody offers you something, then you know, they want you so you can get maybe a little bit more money. If you have to audition, then you, you're not sure there are other possibilities. And so you'll just inherently take less money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think too, that, um, I mean, going, I mean, you did a lot of kind of starring roles, had regular appearances in that, but I mean, this is really your first starring role in a TV show, wasn't it? I mean, it's an ensemble cast, there's several stars of Third Watch, but I mean, you're one of the, the major characters, so was this something different to adapt to, going from a, a guest to a major star of a, a TV series? Well, I had had other shows where I was a major character, but again, the shows, there's so many shows that come on that don't make or, or last for, you know, a couple of months or a year. And and they're never known. I mean, my first, my actually first TV show was, uh, I think it was in 86. And it was with uh, four actors, two of which nobody knows. The other guy, and then there was me, and then a guy named Stanley Tucci, mm. who was very well known. Yeah. Um, um, and, and the show was well received in in the tri-state area of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, but uh, but then we had the writer strike, I think, in 80, 87, and the show started to disappear because the writers stopped, and it, it was crazy. And then the, the long story is is that the short part of the long story is that because of the writer strike, the producers of that show said, "Hey, listen, why don't we just do this as a reality?" It was like one of the first reality shows, and the show became a show called cops right. you know i'm sure you guys know yeah, cops yeah there. we love cops in australia <laughs> literally just 
follow cops around, the real cops. Well, the TV show we were doing was called The Street. And literally, you followed these cops around on their on their patrol. But it was all scripted. Mm. It was fake. We were not real cops. But because of the look of the show, everybody in New York and Connecticut and Jersey thought we were real cops. So I'd I'd be walking down down New York and you know down the street in New York and somebody would hey hey officer Shepherd my character and they just assumed I was really a cop wow. when in fact I wasn't. So that that show transitioned right into to show cops but i just say that to say that there there were other shows that i had had major roles in that just they didn't it didn't take off in terms of you know the way er did or third watch which was third watch was really a modest kind of hit it wasn't it was never it never became a big 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 show yeah yeah i mean that surprised me a little bit i think i I actually remember when it first started um you know as an er fan kind of you know they're advertising it from the creators of er and kind of went on from there and i mean it went for six seasons obviously third watch so they they liked it enough to keep it around no doubt but um i think that it it did surprise me that sometimes when i say to people you know they ask me what's your favorite tv show ben i'm like third watch a lot of people have to go i haven't heard of that you say oh it's about paramedics firefighters oh that one yeah i remember that one (laughs) right right yeah 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 well the thing about it is i thought they made a mistake they um speaking of er when er was you know thursday nights at 10 o'clock was er's um time slot here in the u.s and they premiered third watch on that night a night when er is supposed to be on they take er off so they they can premiere third watch um it did very well at that time for some reason you know and again there's things are done so off you know whatever they decided to premiere third watch on sundays you know the regular time that it would be on sundays at eight o'clock which is not a great time for like a serious drama with um you know with, with some adult themes you know especially with all the car accidents and the carnage and the you know the depth of the storylines eight o'clock is just the wrong time and i think i think my personal opinion is that nbc shot themselves in the foot when they when they started it off at sundays at eight o'clock you know it was definitely a nine or ten o'clock um show and i I think it would have done a lot better had they had they started it off that way because ultimately Third Watch was moved like three times maybe four times in the six years that it was on yeah. and once you start moving around it's very very rare that you're gonna find a night and they're gonna become a hit and you're gonna stick with it yeah. you know yeah it's disappointing obviously that they do that but I mean playing a, a FDMY paramedic Michael do you um do you go along for ride alongs with some real paramedics I mean what sort of training and you know research do you do for the role yeah yeah, we did. We definitely we uh, we we went on a lot of ride-alongs, and then of course there's always um, there are always um, consultants on set uh, from the very beginning, you know, so that they can tell us, you know, what's what's this is incorrect, that's correct, this is wrong. Do it this way. This is how we do it. Of course, things have to change because you're shooting a show, um, and it just depends on on what the shot is, you know, the angle, what you're seeing, what you're not seeing. Um, but we we, were, we constantly tried to be as much as possible. We tried to be 
through to the paramedics and the cops and the firemen. As a matter of fact, many, most of the background that were playing paramedics or cops or firemen were actually cops or firemen or paramedics. Mm. And some of them actually, you know, they started over the, over the years, they started to get lines and become kind of, you know, um, background players that, that ended up getting lines and becoming characters. Yeah, I believe one of them actually went on to, uh, to marry uh, Molly Price, didn't they? Of course, who played Gokas on the show. Yeah, actually, yeah, Derek. Mm. Derek married. He was a fireman, and he he and Molly got married. They've had a, they've had a kid, um, and he's still he's still a fireman in New York. Wow, there you go. I I, I found that fascinating. I think when I first found that fact out, and um, I, the thing too that I uh, really enjoyed. I mean, I'm a big New York fan, um, and the fact obviously that it, it was major, majorly filmed there in New York on the streets and kind of you know really one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, when I actually went to LA, I did a tour of um, Warner Studios, and I, I was asking the guys, I'm like, oh, you know, third watch, you know, was how much was it feel, filmed here? And actually, a couple of the tour people had to go, third watch, was that one of our shows? And they went and found some <laughs> other guy, and he was like, oh, no, they filmed it completely in New York and everything. And I just kind of found that funny that nobody at that stage was like, third watch, was that one of our shows? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, they don't know a lot of you know, who knows where they get these Yahoos, you know. <laughs> but a lot of people don't know. The funny thing is um a hundred percent of it was shot in New York, except there was a couple of there were two scenes that we shot in the LA sound stages, um, with my my love interest, Dr. Morales, uh, because she was doing another show and we had to, um, we had to shoot her out, you know, our storyline. And so literally I had to fly to LA, uh, and shoot a a few scenes for the day with her. And that, that's the only bit of third watch that wasn't shot in New York city. I think two of two scenes. Everything else is New York. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I I was very sad, Michael, when the way that all played out with Doc. Obviously, you know, looked like things were going well. Morales, and then she left. And I mean, Lisa Vidal, she went on to uh, ER, wasn't she? She was. Um, uh, she did a lot. Yeah, she did. A, as funny thing is, is that it, it, she the reason that she ended up leaving the show was because she was not a regular. She was a recurring character, and they used her for. Like crazy that um, that first year, I think it was the first season, they used her like crazy, but she wasn't a regular. And so she was out auditioning for for other jobs to get a regular gig because you make more money. You know, it's just, it's just a lot easier, a lot better. And I was fighting for her to become a regular, you know, because I love that relationship and i loved working with lisa but by the time things started shaking out she got a job on another show um i think on lifetime or something a doctor show um and she left she had to leave us and i and so we then you have to find a way to break them up Mm. you know um which normally you know doc would never you know so and that happens a lot in tv you know the things that have nothing to do with the show everybody loved her we wanted her to stay but you know business wise it was a, a move for her to leave if you're not going to make me a regular she goes somewhere else and so you come up you know sometimes you just come up with these stupid reasons for breaking up a great couple or a great situation and that's just how that's just how it plays out mm, very sad i know a 
lot of fans are disappointed about that. But of course, I think the key relationships in, in Third Watch in terms of, of the partners, I mean, yourself working with Anthony, uh, you know, Doc and Carlos, I mean, it's one of the, the very popular yeah. the, the couplings there. I mean, what was it like working with Anthony? I actually had a, a listener question to sent in uh, from Kylie Lidimore, who, who also wants to know uh, if he was a bit of a prankster behind the scenes, because he seems like he'd be a lot of fun to work with. Anthony, uh, yeah, Anthony's like my kid brother, and we're still very close to this day. As a matter of fact, I saw him about four days ago, four or five days ago, we were over there, their house for dinner. Um, just great. I mean, it was, you know, it was a new big thing for him. You know, a lot of, some of the, some of the people were, you know, had a couple of years out and they were, um, you know, the idea of being on the show was a, was a big deal. And they thought, you know, like some people thought, oh, it's all going to be easy street now, you know. <laughs> but uh, he he and I, man, we, I just love working with him. You know, we work very differently, but um, he remains one of my closest friends uh, today. And um, it was it was just a blast going on set to work with him. I just couldn't be more fun. And everybody and pretty much everybody else. Eddie Cibrian uh, is one of my close friends. And, and um, you know, it's just, just, it was a great time. It was a great time. And work in New York was awesome. Yeah, I can definitely imagine. I mean, you, you left after you sort of midway through the fifth season. Doc kind of went a little bit crazy, had a gun, held people up. I mean, you know, saw how it all went. Uh, what was your reason for leaving the show, Michael? And were you kind of a bit disappointed how Doc went a little bit loopy at the end? Well, the, again, the reasons for leaving were um, business. You know, the, 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 I think Third Watch, they were trying to, you know, every year we, we weren't sure if we would be back on the air. So every year it was about, um, are we going to come back? Are we going to come back? And I think they decided, the creators, um, that they wanted to do more of a cop show, mm. you know, make it more... Um, you know more slick and you know i wasn't real happy about that and but i mean i was look i love those guys and they're they're awesome and i would work with them any day um but it just wasn't you know it was like there's no real reason for me to stay and i think also i was i was you know the the high salary maker and so if you get rid of me salary wise too and you can you know especially since the storylines are going to really start to dissipate for the paramedics or if you do anthony stayed so if you just have one set of paramedics you you know it would be much more you don't have to try to write for two sets of paramedics so it was kind of like a mutual thing john who i i really can't thank enough i mean this guy has employed me over the years so much and i mean i i i think i i feel like i owe him a lot you know just because he he uh he always you know believed in me and was always there for me um but it was just like you know we're not gonna you know we're really not gonna deal with your story your character too much so it was a mutual kind of understanding and then in terms in terms of the way i went out i i actually liked it in terms of acting wise because i got a little um frustrated with doc's righteousness you know and how it's not fun to play a character 
who, um, for the most part, always does the right thing, you know, or what he thinks the right thing is. Um, and, you know, you've got to have some flaws, you know. And so they, you know, they try to make some of the flaws that he was too good or he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to help too much. And, uh, and it's like, that's really not a flaw. It's like, it's it's a force, you know, you're kind of forcing um, a character trait on him, a, a negative character trait. So it was. So for me, it was fun when you know he kind of lost it and didn't do the right thing, mm. even though he he thought he did it because he thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah. It was it was fun. I enjoy I enjoyed that part. Of I, I love the um, obviously in the finale that he's um, at least come back in that closing scene with Carlos. I think it, it worked out uh, very well to have that that kind of closure in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fun because I. I'd been off again. I'd been off the show for a year, and I'd done a bunch of other things in between. So to come back and to do that, you know, I just, just did that one scene. But to come back with Anthony and do that one scene, yeah, it was fun. It was great to see all the the crew again, and and uh, yeah, and to just you know be called Doc again. You know, it, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> do, you, do you still have people in the streets coming up to you going, Doc? How are you? Uh, sometimes, yeah, you know, less and less, but. Uh, uh, whenever I'm in New York, it's a it's a lot more. And obviously, I think to to firemen and to police and the paramedics, it's a it's a it's a big deal. And you still there's still a lot of people. A lot of people come up to me and they say, uh, or they hit me on Facebook and they go, you know, I I, I became a paramedic because of Doc, wow. you know, and, and that's uh and that's that's pretty awesome to hear, you know. I don't know if, if that's totally true, but if it, if he had any influence on that decision at all, it was you know that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. I can definitely imagine. I actually um showed my fandom, Michael, when I went to New York. I actually ventured out to Queens and found the uh, the the firehouse where it was filmed out on the outside and got my photo taken outside of it. And um yeah, it was it was a it was a bit of a thrill. And um you know I um have kind of you know followed some of the other the guys' careers. I mean you, you look at the likes of Kobe, obviously doing some work at the moment anthony doing other things eddie i mean married now to, to leanne rhymes uh, bobby i mean there obviously a lot of them have gone on to a, a very good things including yourself too michael let's not forget that <laughs> <laughs> well you know i mean they're you know they're definitely a, they're a lot younger than i am and they you know they have their they have their time it's their time Kim is doing great, you know, and uh, I just finished a film with Eddie, actually, and uh, yeah, we see Kobe once in a while, but yeah, Kobe's, I do a show with Kobe called The the uh, the Game on, on BET here in the States, I don't know if it's there, but Black Entertainment Television, uh, so I see him once in a while, and I go down to Atlanta to do a few episodes of that, um, and I see, you know, I was at Kim's house last year, she's doing very well, she's She's been on a show every year since Third Watch ended. Mm. So, and they, you know, they've lasted for a year or so. And now being on uh, Grey's Anatomy for the last few years, uh, twenty four. She did yes. two years of four. So, yeah, they're doing great, man. It's. Uh, I saw Jason who plays Bosco. Yes. I saw him the other. Day. <laughs> he directed two films that I did uh, since Third Watch. You know, so so yeah, we keep in touch, and and people are doing doing well, and they. 
pretty much everybody still supports themselves as actors. I, I'm not sure if Molly is still acting. I don't I don't know if she is. Um, I, I don't really see I her. I saw so. her, um, a fan of Nip Tuck. I saw her in Nip Tuck, I think, at one stage. And um, I've seen her in sort of bits, parts every now and then. Uh, it's funny you mentioned with Kim uh, going from, uh, from Third Watch to 24. She went from my first favorite show to my second favorite show. So uh, <laughs> for, for a while there, I'm like, you know, Kim Raver, you're doing well for myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm sure she was pretty happy about yeah. it too. Uh, I say, say she did it for me, but of course, you know, whatever. Uh, Kylie actually also <laughs> asked too, um, obviously being in touch with so many of the guys still, any chance that we ever might see a third watch reunion maybe 10 years after it ended or something along those lines? That doesn't really happen uh, in TV much. You know, they kind of move on. I, I feel like they, I feel like they wish they still had it because last season or the season before they had a they had a, a third watch ripoff here in the states i'm trying to remember the name of it and actually now they have another thing called chicago I fire say, i saw that coming soon and I'll, yeah it yeah, me. Is, <laughs> yeah it's about it's about it's in chicago obviously but it's about firemen that there there are no cops in the show i'm sure they'll get some eventually but it's about firemen and paramedics and it you know of course, there were a couple of shows about firemen and paramedics or cops before Third Watch, but I, th- if, 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 if I think Third Watch was the first one that combined those three jobs, yeah. you know, the emergency service workers. And uh, and and if I can be, you know, uh, um, I don't know the word. If I if I can be so bold. I think the the things that I've seen on on NBC that are similar to Third Watch, the show was called Trauma last year or the year before. They just don't they just don't hold a candle, you know. I mean, I watched the uh, Chicago Fire, which is a Dick Wolf show, um, and I just it just doesn't stand up to uh, to a show like Third Watch. Mm, yeah, I know a lot of the Third Watch fans too. Uh, we got a few messages in actually crying out for more DVD releases. I realize they've released the first two, but um, you know a lot of the yeah, I don't know why people always ask me. I don't know why they're not releasing. I mean, I I can only assume, and again, this is an assumption that it just didn't sell that well. Maybe because if it was selling like crazy, they would definitely have third, fourth, fifth, sixth season. There's no reason that they wouldn't so my my assumption is that for some reason it's just not it just didn't sell that I, well. I read somewhere it was something relating to the music about getting the rights i don't know how true that is i mean you know i that's just kind of a thing i read on a on a question board to an industry person i don't know but uh i mean i i like the fact too with them uh, michael as well the bloopers i mean you know every time i can see you guys right. stuffing up <laughs> i think that was just brilliant <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I will uh, say um, to Kylie, thank you for sending those in and other people who sent the messages in about uh, Third Watch. We'll get to some five questions. We'll wrap up interviews with Michael. But as I said at the top of the uh, interview, uh, we're about to see you in Red Dawn, of course, the remake of that. And we've also just seen you in a film called Sparkle, Whitney Houston's last film. Now, this wasn't obviously the first film you've worked on with Whitney. Um, what was it like working with her? And obviously, very tragic that she kind of passed away before this film could come out. Yeah, it was shocking. I mean, on set, she, you know, I think she was very, she seemed very happy. And uh, I think she was excited about this film and about her coming back into the movie world. 
Um, and uh, she was she was just sweet to everybody. And you know, when we did Waiting to Exhale, it was kind of at the height of her fame. You know, and I think it was '93 that we filmed it. I think, and uh, she was a little little more standoffish, you know, or a little more guarded, which is probably understandable. Um, uh, but, uh, this year, uh, she was just, not that she wasn't kind before, cause she was, but, you know, her, her bodyguards, which obviously she needs, really took a back seat, you know, and they, they didn't make themselves known. And, you know, she just enjoyed talking to people and, and, uh, and being back on set, you know, and it was, uh, she just, just, just shocking, you know, just shocking. Mm. Absolutely, and um, you know, I think I'm not sure if um, Sparkle has been released in Australia. I don't know, Michael, but um, we'll obviously follow up on that one. But as I said, Red Dawn as well. Now, uh, in Red Dawn, you've worked with um, two Australian actors in that: Chris Hemsworth and Isabel Lucas, uh, very well known here, right. um, doing great guns in Hollywood. Uh, how excited oh, were you to work on uh, Red Dawn? Because I know the movie very popular from the '80s, of course. Well, it was fun. I mean, of course, we shot. Actually, <clears throat> Chris was not known when we shot Red Dawn because we actually shot it about three years ago um, but MGM had some financial problems and they you know so for whatever reason the movie got shelved and uh, and also Josh uh, uh, Hutcherson from um, the Hunger Games is also in it and so in that in that time obviously Josh and Chris Chris have blown up and become you know you know obviously Chris is is very big all over the world now so I'm, I'm sure they feel real happy about opening this film now that they can use especially after the Avengers yeah. you know um, but uh, Chris was uh, just a great kid I mean, to me he's a kid I mean I'm 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 about 24 years older than him something like that so it's like you know it's a uh, but w- w- just a great guy, and he really was just, uh, he was preparing to do Thor while we were shooting that. So he was uh, he was eating clean and eating a lot and lifting a lot and uh, working out while we, would, while we were shooting that film. And um, I just hope, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's any good, but I hope it really does well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I play uh, I play the mayor of the town, uh, uh, and my son is uh, Tom Cruise's son, Connor Cruise, who I think it's his first foray into the movie business. Wow, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise is one of the producers on it. Um, so hopefully, hopefully it does well. You know, we'll see. It opens next month. How daunting is it then to play, uh, you know, the, the father of Tom Cruise's son? I mean, does Tom come up to you and jump on a couch and say, "This is how you do it"? <laughs> <laughs> actually he he was at the he was at a reading in a couple of early days but he actually started shooting another film while we were filming so he wasn't around really there you go we look forward to seeing it definitely and um isabel and chris of course very are uh, they uh, home and away a big australian soap opera of course is where they got their name here in this country and uh, obviously now i mean isabel's done transformers you said chris done thor and you know the avengers and uh, yeah. to me they'll always be uh kim and tash from home and away michael i, I definitely think you should look <laughs> them up on youtube and see how they started <laughs> I- i'll do that yeah <laughs> well uh, we'll get into some five questions now that it's just a bit of fun we like to to wrap up interviews with now 
one of the questions I will have to explain to you because it was based off an Australian advertising campaign. Bit of fun. We'll get to that in a second. But question number one, Michael Beach, what is your favourite type of cheese? Cheddar. Cheddar? Just just regular cheddar? Regular cheddar. I'm just a regular boring. I don't know much about cheeses and and I don't like adventure off. I pretty much, I don't, first of all, I don't eat much cheese. Uh, but when I do, it's it's pretty much cheddar. Now, now are you a fan or, of just kind of it just by itself? Do you like it melted? I think we find some people prefer it melted on toast. It's a different flavor, obviously. Well, yeah, I don't eat cheese by itself. No way. Um, I eat it on pizza, yes. which is I get the boring cheese pizza. Um, if I get a turkey burger, I don't eat beef. So it's always a turkey burger. And I like my cheese on my turkey burger. Mm. And maybe a couple of tacos, you know, stuff like that. But pr- other than that, you know, I might put some cheese in um, in some soup, you know, like, uh, uh, yeah, some some kind of soup. My dad used know, to do but that, other than that. soup, put like big chunks of cheese in it. And I think um, I had a friend over once and I thought it was a bit weird. But I thought, well, what's so weird about it? It makes it taste nice. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, well, I yeah, I would never put a chunk of cheese, but I shred it up, get it shredded, and and put it along the uh, what we go here. It's tortilla soup. It's a like a Mexican type soup, and it's got a spice to it and chicken, and you put some cheese on top, and it's delicious. You're making me hungry now, Michael. Uh, question number two. <laughs> now I'll, I'll explain this. One. We had an advertising campaign here in Australia a few years ago for a toilet paper company, which essentially asked the question. When you go to the bathroom, do you fold or do you scrunch your toilet paper? So, Michael Beach, are you a folder or a scruncher? I com- I cannot scrunch my toilet paper. I have to fold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It. I mean, why would you take a risk of getting that stuff all over the place? <laughs> fold, wipe, fold again so you can wipe again. Yes. That's the way to do it. Yes. If you scrunch it up, you're just wasting the toilet paper. <laughs> I love this question because it often causes debate amongst our guests. You know, they turn around and go, now, why would you fold? What sort of neat freak or scrunches and all this? I, the best answer we ever had was this Australian as it comes, Michael. The person said, I fold because you've got to keep the Vegemite on the toast. <laughs> there you go. I have to agree with that. I have to agree with that. Uh, you well you never think about going to the bathroom ever again the same. Uh, <laughs> question number three. Uh, when you were growing up, Michael, what was your dream job? We kind of touched on this, I think, a bit before. Well, I mean, in terms, like, I don't know which age you're talking about. You know how things it change does. over the years. Just a couple. I give us a couple. Well, my, my dream job originally uh that was an actual a possibility that what I was thinking about was a football player. You know, I really wanted to play football in the pros. And, um, and I, you know, I had a lot of colleges interested in me, um, but uh, I got hurt and then it, it just dis- disappeared. Mm. And so now I would have to say I'm, I'm living my dream job. That's what we like to hear. We always like to hear people end, uh, end that question with that. Who, who do you go for in, uh, in the NFL, Michael? It's fairly big out here in Australia, actually. Well, the odd thing is that, that at this point in my life, I don't watch any sports. Right. Matter of fact, I don't have cable. I don't, I don't, we have internet um, so we can watch shows on Netflix or, or Hulu Plus. I don't know if you have that, but, but pretty much... I, I don't really watch TV anymore. I don't watch sports, which my w- wife loves, because I don't need to every Sunday, you know, 
um, go go out with friends and uh, and watch four football games. You know, um, the most I do is sometimes on Sundays, which I don't do as much anymore, is I'll get on my motorcycle and I'll go out with a bunch of guys and we'll we'll ride through the canyons or over to Malibu to the beach Brilliant. and stuff. Yeah, that that's if I if I take a Sunday, that's what I do. Uh, otherwise, I'm just hanging out with the family. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, as I said, it's, it's fairly big here actually. The NFL, the last few years, uh, one of our TV stations has started showing the games live, kind of uh, on weekends and that. So uh, really, yeah, the Super Bowl is um, getting fairly big here, Michael. So uh, the Aussies love it; they like seeing it. Uh, question number four. Also, growing up, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh my God childhood celebrity crush it would be pam greer ah yes yeah uh uh from uh all kind of oh, friday uh, foxy friday uh friday foster um uh oh what was the big one the big one that i really loved was um coffee mm. you know it was she was the queen of black exploitation films and and she always kicked ass you know she and she was sexy you know and it was one of the you know you start you go to the movies and you see this beautiful black woman and then you see her you know you see her tits and it was like whoa and they were big and juicy and whoo she was hot and, and so Pam Greer who I actually got to work with about teen years ago um of course she wasn't quite as young and sexy but it was still Pam Greer and uh she would definitely be my my childhood crush I was gonna ask if you had met her um because uh I think that's funny um we've had people on the show who've said their childhood celebrity crush have gone on to work with them countless times it's been fun I, I love Pam in uh in Jackie Brown of course that was a, a fantastic Jackie film. Brown yeah. exactly exactly mm. well she was the queen of black exploitation films in the in the early 70s yeah yeah absolutely we've never had Pam answered before Michael you've given us a first one I always like first time answers <laughs> on this show uh well the final question for you today Michael Beach, what is your worst habit? My worst habit. Ooh, that's a, hmm. My worst habit. Wow. Well, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't uh, go to parties or anything. Um, what's my worst habit? That's a great question. Maybe your worst habit is you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> um I think, uh, no, I was going to say, mm, wow, that's a great question. I have to think about that. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, sure my wife, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my wife will be able to come and give you a list. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I used to do it, but I don't do it so much anymore because I've kind of mellowed out. But I used to um, clean up after her. Right. You know, and when she didn't put dishes away properly, because mainly I do all the dishes. I do the laundry. Laundry. I do. You know, we don't have. You know, we have somebody that comes in and, and gives a good cleaning once a month. But pretty much, we do our own cleaning. I, which, when I say we, I really mean me. I do the, the dishes and laundry, and I straighten up the room, and I make the bed and all that stuff. So, so sometimes she'll do something like for, when she cooks, and she's a fantastic cook. But when she cooks, she just leaves dirty things everywhere. Mm. Where I think it will take you thirty seconds when you empty that pot to run in under the water right and to get it ready so that it so that so that the 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 sauce that's in there won't stay in there and stick in there and make it it doesn't matter to her because she doesn't 
the dishes. <laughs> so I, you know, I did that about a lot of things. She would drop her clothes on the floor. She's like the guy, and I'm like the girl when it comes to <laughs> stuff, you know. So if if I think about anything, which which I do less of, but it's still it's you know tidying up after her. Good worst you know? habit to have, really, isn't it? Sometimes <laughs> I would not. I guess as an adult, I would not like people cleaning up after me, even if I am a kind of a slob. I'd be like, you know what? That's it's my right to leave my pants on the floor, have my underwear chucked over there, leave it there. I'll get it when I'm ready. You know. <laughs> A lot of fun there with Michael. One of my favourite interviews I've done of all time just because, uh, you know, obviously the fan of Third Watch that I am to be able to speak with him. Just an absolute pleasure. So, uh, again, it's five years old, that interview, but... Thanks to Michael for his time. It definitely uh, was a huge pleasure. And he's really going on to great things, I think, recently. As I said, Aquaman is going to be in uh, the Deep Blue Sea sequel. Uh, very active on social media is Michael. Uh, Twitter, follow him on there. He definitely is very engaging with the fans as well. So I highly recommend uh, getting there. If you're a fan of Third Watch or even just a fan of kind of his roles in general, he's one of these ones, as I said, that I'm sure if you Google his name right now, if you listen to this episode and you don't know who he is, you're thinking, well, who is this guy? Um, you would definitely know his face if you see him so uh michael beach thank you so much again five years old and hopefully we can get you on the show in the future for maybe uh another chat because that would be definitely fun it's not all stopping at michael beach so we've also put up today our anthony reeva interview of course anthony played carlos on third watch it's a bit of a shorter interview uh and there's a little bit more of a focus on some other stuff outside of third watch but by all means that is also available today and if you're enjoying our third watch coverage we'll say that our season two coverage kicks off next week uh if you missed any of our season one coverage all 22 episodes are online plus our season one recap episode as well and you can of course see our top five moments of the season online on youtube as well of season one the video hasn't been removed yet so um we look forward to you checking that out and seeing what you think of it so head online see that there and uh, we hope that you enjoy but this has been our michael beach interview from the archives my name has been ben remember to like subscribe comment on all of our material out there facebook twitter instagram youtube as i just mentioned and of course uh, itunes stitcher spotify to get these interviews direct to your device but as i just mentioned my name is ben this has been the oz network thanks for your company we'll speak to you next time good night Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.